Dear listeners, it occurs to me that I should tell you up front that some pieces of my diaries have been destroyed. I didn't do this. It revolves around an incident with a curse and a flood of water. But you know, sometimes water washes away words that are better left unwritten. But I think I'll leave in the water. I'll let you hear it, so you know exactly where the haze rises from and how that curse leaked into my life. I think at my core I am a writer. I may not be the best, but I do find fulfillment in it. Thematically, I write about the same things over and over. Existential angst, friendship, horror, psychological drama and thrillers, camaraderie. Those nameless things in the back of your mind that are buried somehow in your cellular memory. The underbelly. Today I've been musing upon my clumsy ship-and-water metaphor. You know, the one about the compass. If I were truthful, I would choose to be water herself. Water is a beautiful, necessary thing. It's fearsome, calming, abundant, scarce. People would die for it, but you need it to live. Water can create distance, provide mystery, and yet we cleanse ourselves of filth and sin with it, and seek clarity within it. Water is always recycled. Humans cannot yet make more of it, even though we meddle with nature's laws all the time. The water within my body that I drank today There is no more water now than there was a hundred, a thousand, a million years ago. I aim to be a river, a river that's constantly meandering, searching. Rivers are forceful, patient. Rivers give us thundering waterfalls, pure power that can bring man to its knees with awe. With time, even the slowest river can cut into rock and earth and create something like the Grand Canyon. A river flows at the right speed for itself, and although we humans may not know its reasoning for why it curves or rushes, the river does flow. It does what it's supposed to do. In my life, I aim to be a river. So if I was truthful about the ship and water metaphor, I would choose to be water herself. A river herself. Water in motion. But for the metaphor's sake, I choose to be a ship It goes well with the whole compass metaphor, but also, it is only through the ship that water can be lonely. I love charting the unknown. There is something about the unknown that causes my fingertips to grow itchy and buzzy, that causes my heart to pound, that causes my vision to grow a little sharper. I love the idea of maybe a thousand years ago or so, getting on a ship and going where the current takes me. Charting waters and coasts, meeting people and learning about who they are, eating new foods and dancing to new music. I love discovery. Maybe my soul is that of an explorer. I don't exactly believe in reincarnation, but I do think that there are parallel lives I could have lived at some other time in the past or future. I believe my soul has a kinship with those other parallels. They're branches of a line that are all uniquely me at their core. I believe this is the source of the compass. That maybe my soul has drunk the waters of the earth and has interpreted its memory through it. Because how many people have died, have cried, have lived, have loved? That is how much is in any given drop of water. At the end of the television series Game of Thrones, my favorite character, Arya, becomes an explorer. The idea of her staying in Westeros pained me. I would rather her have a warrior's death than to stay in that small, confined box. But being an explorer... She sought a life of discovery, of passion, of the unknown. Oh God, I love that. My favorite stories are always about this. 
about a person, maybe a few friends, charting new ground in this life and earth, bound by their collective hunger for that unknown, bound by the fact that their souls understand one another, an unseen blood pact, an unseen code of duty, and they press forward into the unknown, knowing that they are standing among others who share that same primeval feeling. There are some cultures where their storytelling provides a gateway to that kind of understanding. Western culture rarely hits on this, unless talking about war or sport. Sometimes you're bound by something that's not friendship and memories. Sometimes you're bound by honor, duty, and struggle. I think, dear listeners, that when I say these things, when I talk this way, you can understand what I mean, what I want, what I crave, what I'm looking for, how these events and people and places got me fucked up. But back to the story, the metaphor. Water can be lonely. Think of all the islands that are uninhabited. Being stuck, marooned on one of them. It is the water that turns against you. The distance it gives, the harsh weather, the lack of nourishment for your body, the salt. Water can be all around you and yet you are dying. You are drowning. The earth is bigger than we think because water has enveloped it, pressurized the bottom, and created a world underneath that man is not meant to walk upon. So if I am a ship, sailing through the waters of life, you'll be able to understand my metaphor. You'll be able to understand that I cannot abide by mutiny, and if I were to maroon those along my journey, I am right for doing so, however hard it might be, however sad I may feel. But you also know it's no hard feelings. Because if we go back to what we are bound by in this life, everyone's values are different. What you find to be honorable and pure and worthy of your time isn't always the same as someone else. You can't be cruel or dismissive towards them. We all have different paths to walk. When you cry, when you finally reach your point of break, what do you find yourself saying in your head? Those odd sentences that make it sound like you're a blubbering sack of potatoes. I find myself saying, you can't come with me. And that, dear listeners, that is grief. To know that you cannot continue with someone else that you admire or trust or love. Whether this is through death, betrayal, growing apart, it is grief. I find grief to be like ants. Tiny, small things. As solitary insects, they're mostly insignificant to humans, but as a collective, as a hill, they are damaging. They get into everything, and you're not sure what hole they crawled in from. Ants pouring into the stone foundation of your life from the tiniest, smallest crack. And they find their way in every time. They keep coming back. They need to feed, just like grief. Put as many deterrents as you want, but they'll be back. Ants are like water in that way. They find the path of least resistance and wedge in. Before you know it, your home is condemned. Water, ants, and grief. Left unchecked, they can be deadly. When we lose children, whether they be babies, adolescents, or adults, that's what we mourn. Yes, losing life is difficult, but we are also mourning the inability to continue with that person, however short the time was. We invest so much, our time, our resources, our bodies, our minds, our flesh, our blood, our souls, and yet they will never be able to chart a path beyond that of us. At my grandmother's funeral, my grandfather said to me, as he looked through the sparsely attended event, No one cares about old people when they die. Everyone cares about the young. 
This gutted me. A man who had lost his wife, who has now lost five children. I held his hand, because I have no words, but I understand him. When the old die, it's a different grief. Whether it be natural by sickness or by accident or by violence, something is lost. The path they charted ends, and it begins to fade. That fading is the worst because eventually no one will be around to breathe life into that path. We can continue the path to chart something through the water, but at one point we will turn around and... Their life will be unable to be seen. The old know that. Watching people go beyond you is nourishment for the soul, but when you look back and see no one understanding that path, that hurts. That beautiful movie, Coco, comes to mind. When people sing, Recuerdame, Remember Me, that's what they feel. To allow your line, those who came before you, to diminish and fade again. Those deep primeval gut lurches rise. I'm not even talking about bloodline. I'm talking about the struggle of those before you, who made you into who you are, who helped you build your ship, helped you set sail. When it fades, what do we do? Allow me for a moment to speak on the world and not myself. Erasure of history is an erasure of who you are. For many of us living the black experience, our history keeps getting edited, erased, or retold by people with no skin in the game. Every person of color, black, indigenous, Asian, so on, you know what I mean. And when we regain a sense of history, there's something in us that's awakened. I think that's why we're so fascinated with ancestry and DNA right now. Because the path forward is murky, muddled, and looking backward for guidance, it should be easy. But the paths that came before us for all people of all backgrounds have been confused, have been cut, or have faded. Some people are fortunate and have knowledge passed down of where they have been, what waters have been charted, what struggles existed before us. Many don't. Plus, we don't have the luxury of walking alongside those who came before us. We just have books, memories, secondhand words. So we make a tapestry to live our lives by, borrowing from things that stir our souls. But in this life, in losing our old, we doom our young to chart waters that have already been covered. In losing our young, we have to recalibrate and say goodbye to paths and worlds that will never be traveled. I truly hope that my soul is communing with the water that quenches my thirst. September 27th, 2020, 4.38 a.m. Grief comes in waves. Waves. It's a tide Washing rushing over the, the body. body. But the moons are unknown, unknown, unpredictable. Unpredictable. The patchwork quilt I made of us is slowly disintegrating. Bits and pieces of a life unlived come corporeal as bars and parks and theaters, sewn together by streets and alleys and metro lines. The pandemic has closed spaces that we called ours. If I wanted to have a memory of us, of you, I could go there, breathe the air. The scene would play out and once more it would flash alive before my eyes. But they're boarded up now. I wanted to be a bellows, breathing, breathing life into, into the, the memory, memory, stoking the fire, the way you ignited me. I'm not in love with you. I haven't been for a while. I left that somewhere in the skies over Asia, back when I was looking for you in maps. But I have files, files and, and notebooks and papers and, papers and playlists and... and where do you put the tangible pieces of a tangential timeline? I think I'm grieving for time. 
Time I lost stoking a fire that should have been mine alone, not ours. You struck the match, but I myself am the flame. I'm grieving for the time I lost my mind, I think. And lost my mind I did. You were a magnet, misaligning my compass. But even if I can't see the pole star, I can see my Elrisha. I've never been guided by the same star as everyone else. But I can grieve for her, the woman driven to madness. Me? And put back the pieces, reclaim my time. And I can grieve for her, the woman in the alternate world. Watch her get erased, dig her a grave. grave. To breathe life, something must die. I'm grieving for that tangential timeline. Because all the other lives I've somewhat lived seem easier than the one I have now. But I guess that's how I know it's the right timeline. Not Not everything everything that's that's written written is easy. But it is but written. it is written. I'm not in love with you, but all the boarded I'm up places. I'm not in love with you. They still cause me to grieve. But all the boarded up places, they still cause me to grieve. December 19th, 2014, 1.30 a.m. I just didn't go home. I couldn't. I stayed in my car, driving foggy haze as I drove past the monuments over the river, over the streets. I screamed, I cried, I prayed for you because I I can admit it. I'm in love with you. You've done terrible things to me, around me, and yet I can't help but love you still. How fucked up is that? It's not over. I know it's not, but this time... Our overlap, our intersection of our lifelines is coming to an end. A big wedge, a huge distance. You've always felt so far away anyway. That's alright, but it's also not. I know your heart. That's all I know. Your heart is golden. It's very good. You care about a lot. I'm good at seeing hearts, at understanding auras. You're right. You're good. You're okay. I took a drive because the pressure was building in my heart. I was crying. Because somehow it's my fault that nothing happened between us. Because it's my fault that you don't understand the depth of my waters. I want you bad. I want you bad. I don't deny your flaws or turn a blind eye. That's how I know pieces of this are real. I want your imperfections. I took a drive because all songs remind me of you. Because you make me feel safe and warm and happy. And this this time overlap is over. I took a drive because I'm pissed off at you because the truth is when you talk about your obligations which you're going back to, you claim you don't like, trust, or love her. No one else has ever made me feel like this. (laughs) When the time overlap ends, I'll go back to being cold, reserved. (laughs) But you ignited something in me. I feel very much alive, and I'm not sure what to do because... (laughs) I don't choose lightly. April 25th, 2016. Lunchtime. I wonder if I'm well enough, strong enough. I rarely feel 100%. My everyday, I feel like I'm operating at 60. Some days I'm tired, others it's a migraine, other days it's my mood, my mental health. 
It's too fragile. Currently, I'm around maybe 50%, but this deep ache in me that I'm ignoring seems so normal now. It's the reason why I feel like that 65% is the new 95%. It makes me wonder, what if I don't have the energy to fight for myself and what I want? What if my so-called rise to power, <laughs> what if it fails? I'm just so tired. I feel unsafe, scattered, and unhappy. It's weird being in the same places where I used to have so much vitality. My architectural thesis, the one I'm so woefully behind on, reminds me of this emotional palimpsest. My emotions and memories from months past exist in the brick masonry like ants, scurrying alongside my current emotional plight. It's like revisiting a VHS tape from years past. The quality of the video degrades upon every watch, but watching it is sweet nostalgia. And overriding the tape isn't working, the technology is too archaic now. So it just exists in a box in a closet. You're too afraid to throw it away because it's so precious, but the technology to access it is old in itself, and the tapes take up too much space in your closet. So do you get rid of the tapes? That emotional palimpsest is paralyzing. You're laden down with too much, and yet you can't seem to scrape away the old to make way for the new. I'm waiting for the moment where I can let go, mobilize. Time goes on. How depressing that the only comfort I have is that time goes by. That every due date will come and go without my consent, whether I like it or not. The sun still rises, and the moon still comes up. March 21st, 2021, 1.14 p.m. I saw someone today who looked so much like you, to the point that I thought they were you. We locked eyes and maybe it was you. The eye contact was too long, the eyes too familiar, the mouth too plush, the height, the haircut, the face shape, the... I'd forgotten certain aspects of your face. It could have been you. I was walking in the same spot where we'd spent so many memories. We used to live there between the bricks and the pavement, right by the water. Maybe it was a ghost. Maybe the masonry flashed an image of you onto this crowded sidewalk. Maybe it was my eyes playing tricks on me. We brushed against one another, but my heart didn't flutter, my gut didn't lurch, my breath didn't catch. I didn't look back. I didn't pause to get a better look. I kept walking. But I did stumble on a brick paver. Maybe it was a ghost. Maybe the masonry flashed an image of you onto the crowded sidewalk. Maybe it was my eyes playing tricks on me. Because I stumbled on a brick paver. The ground poked its hand out from the pavement and pulled me back. I kept walking. I sat by the water and felt the sun on my skin. I remember the first time we met. I remember where I was sitting, how the light hit. I remember what we both wore. I remember your hesitation, my willingness to help. I remember the light was the same as it had been in that dream I had so many years ago when I was standing on that bridge, asleep and taking dreamland advice from someone I thought I'd killed. That's how I knew. The light, it hit your eyes and I knew. So when I was walking today, the light hit that person's eyes and it reminded me of then. It's weird how life gives you ripples and waves, like a pebble in the water from so many years ago is just now reaching me. 
A while ago, that ripple would have felt like a tsunami, but now your wavelength just feels like a gentle nudge. Tienes ondas con él? Do you have waves with him? Es posible. Maybe. Pero, but? Pero yo no quiero agarrarme. But I don't want to drown. I remember someone asked me that. Do you have waves with him? My wavelength tried to vibrate at your frequency. It just made me sick. I thought the problem was me. I've forgotten certain aspects of your face. My heart didn't flutter, my gut didn't lurch, and my breath didn't catch. I'm happy I didn't look back, and instead I took a moment to bask in the sun by the water. Because yeah, I had waves with you. And my ship stayed in your doldrums for so long, waiting for you to come back. Once you were far away, your magnet couldn't interfere with my compass anymore. When I checked it to see if I was on course, I saw I was in the wrong place. But maybe at the right time, because the breeze grew stronger. So I caught the wind with my sails, and I charted on. <laughs>